0: This episode was created on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past,
1: present and emerging. For the record, I'm fully aware that the theme of love has been discussed and dissected a million times in movies and music. I'm fully aware of that. And I was conscious of that making it. I was like, well, what makes your fucking love and heartbreak so special? And my answer to that was that it's mine. And this is my view on it. I'm not saying this is the definitive definition of heartbreak as a house record. (laughs) I'm just saying this is my interpretation, and I think that hopefully the universality of of love and of heartbreak is is is, as well as the music itself is what people will connect with.
0: Hi, I'm Dan Brophy and this is The Passion PT. It's a podcast and a YouTube series dedicated to nailing your creative goals faster. From quitting your day job to starting a profitable side hustle, exploring your creativity as a de-stress tool, and working out what you're even passionate about in the first place, I'll be giving you tools and tips, motivation and inspiration to get out of your own way and get it done. The Passion PTMO is all about identifying your creative goals and making realistic pathways towards achieving them. And before we get started, this is my obligatory plea for you to subscribe, to review the show in iTunes and most importantly, to share the episode with someone that might find it inspiring also. And you can also check out this episode on YouTube forward slash Dan Brophy or go to the links on my Instagram page, link in bio. My guest today is DJ Prequel. Uh, If you haven't heard our chat from last week where I interviewed Prequel all about our mutual love and appreciation for the writer and speaker and consummate Manhattanite Fran Leibovitz, check that out. But in today's episode, we chat all about Prequel's epic new album love or i heard you like heartbreak the thing that i love most about this album is it sounds like literally nothing i have ever heard before it is a fusion of hip-hop and jazz and house so i wanted to find out how does someone actually make an album you know it's such a huge task it's like writing a novel and if you have never done it before it's all the more intimidating so for all those listening who have their own version of of the album, the novel, the film, it's incredibly inspiring to hear about how someone did it. How someone got out of their own way and actually delivered the thing. If you have not seen The Wonder That Is DJ Prequel playing around town, he's Melbourne-based and he is ubiquitous in the Melbourne nightlife scene, so look out for him on his Instagram. He is p- posting his upcoming gigs. Uh, in the meantime, please enjoy my chat with the one, the only, the incomparable DJ Prequel. Ah, oh, DJ Prequel, how it's been too long between. <laughs> 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 um I Too uh, long between drinks. How too, are you? I'm great. I'm I'm so great, and I I'm so. We spoke a little while ago about uh, a, a, a mutual uh, love that we share for Fran Leibovitz the only other we did and it was a pleasure yeah and i and and at that time we mentioned that we would reconnect to discuss the the release of your imminent album love yes oh i heard you love heartbreak that's so congratulations releasing giving birth to a body of work no matter what the medium is always uh something that should be commended and celebrated so muzzle you have done you. you have you're about you. to give birth to a how many is it like a 12 track album
1: uh t- 12 tracks yeah there's a couple of little interludes and things but 12 12 in total yeah okay delicious i, I for those
0: who uh, are yet to have the the dj prequel experience do you have an elevator pitch for who you are and what you do
1: uh Two different pitches, whether it's my production or whether it's me DJing. My DJ pitch is uh, wild enthusiasm uh, meets a love of music. And my production pitch is uh, jazz and hip-hop and Detroit house music put through the prequel combustion machine with hopefully interesting results hopefully that's so great
0: i was trying to describe it to jace because when you gave me the tracks to listen to and said don't show them to anyone (laughs) i was being very strict with that so so, because my boyfriend jace also makes music he loves he's loves music real lover of music as well and therefore i was trying to use the right adjectives to describe the sound and i had to say it's like nothing i've ever heard before your 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 music sounds like literally nothing i've ever heard before so can you remind me what you said it was detroit house and detroit house yeah um, And what else is what else hip-hop influences the
1: jazz influences and and movies yeah it's it is it and 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 television like i've always i've always done a, a big thing of, of those three um in specific from detroit um moody man or kenny dixon jr who's on my jumper and theo parrish they're probably my biggest inspirations like a lot of people that sort of make music in my circle i guess uh the hip-hop thing i can go into detail how that affects my production uh even my style of djing and the movie thing so many facets movie tv so many facets of that from um uh Getting ideas for samples by watching stuff, or naming things with references to films, of which I have many, 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 you know, ideas and examples I could I could give to you off the top of my head. Um, on my first EP, which is called Polite Strangers, which is in itself is a hip hop reference, one of the tracks is called The Test Dream, which is named after an episode of The Sopranos called The Test Dream. So that's the.
0: Whole package. That that, well, that all makes sense to me because when you hear it, to me it sounds like a dream sequence. It sounds like you've 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 been listening to hip hop, you've been listening to jazz, you've been in, you've been listening to house music, and you've had a, a psychedelic dream sequence for which these emer- these sounds are all m- enmeshed. That uh, that is bringing in strands of cinema and strands of. You know, of of ideas that seem to just come together in a way that is ultimately harmonious and makes you want to dance. And when you are dancing, you can't help but but tap into. Oh, am I moving to the the jazz sounds on top, or am I am I grooving to the bass sounds below? Like it's it's this beautiful sort of melange of, of sounds. And, and I, I made, as I was listening to it, I kept on thinking, Oh, is this because you've been making music for a long time? but this feels like a real yeah. a departure or, or not departure but an evolution to the sound that's been brewing on previous releases and i was thinking wow it,
1: yeah it has i mean
0: it would take a long time to get to this place so so yeah talk to me about the the journey to to create this this sound
1: well when i when i started making music and stuff it was very strictly hip hop and stuff like that and i was i was actually recreating beats by my favorite producer that was one of the ways i learned and you know, this is pre like a huge YouTube explosion and that kind of thing. And I didn't go to like a production school or a thing. So I just read about it and watch it in documentaries and scratching and hip hop and that whole thing. Um, and I still love hip hop and I still very, very much about that. Um, but I think it was around the time where I met, uh, and PD, who you both know, and they started to get me into house music and my, um, preconception of house music for better or for worse was just one love at the prince which i'm not knocking that but that's just a very small part of what it is and it's it's a rather um (coughs) excuse me it's um it's a slightly more commercial side of it and again nothing wrong with that but when they started playing me theo parish and moody man i was like holy shit this is just fucking jazz but sped up or at 120 bpm i'm like with, it's, a, it's, with a It's like a driving finding base. something you've, you've always... Yeah, it's like finding something you never knew you wanted to look for so much. And when I heard it, I'm like, Oh my God, this is fucking jazz chords and jazz samples with a, with a thing. Like, where's this been all my life? It was like... And that's the problem... It was like falling in love with... It. It's like falling in love with someone you've never met before. You're like, where the fuck
0: have you been? The, 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 the problem with labels like house or techno is they, they can describe so many different sounds... That if you 100%. if you did same with hip hop, same with films, yeah. Yeah, if you didn't like, I suppose yeah, like there there are only like there were only kind of seven or eight sections of the video store to try and just des- describe every single film across all categories. Similar, you can say that someone's a house DJ or someone's a, a techno DJ, and someone could have such a different understanding of w- what it is that they would be be doing. Uh, when you were uh, what has that process looked like as you have been i suppose coming up in a world in a, in a environment like melbourne you and i both are such melbophiles we both love the city so much i'm i'm a traitor because i've lived in sydney since 2012 but the, <laughs> but i in my, in my defense i only moved here so i would stop going out so much and potentially concentrate on on developing my career in other ways but the 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 melbourne music scene is so rich and so uh, multifaceted and has such niche genres that thrive in its back alleys. How did yeah. being a DJ that gigs around Melbourne uh, influence your producing
1: work? Well, I would first of all, your Melbourne cameos in the last many years are excellent. So you, I know you don't live here anymore, but whenever you come to Melbourne, it's fucking. It's a treat, as you and I have experienced many days and many nights together in a variety of different scenarios, and the Dan Brophy cameo is always a welcome one. I think so my battles, I, I choose
0: my, my uh, appearances
1: very specifically,
0: and to the untrained eye, you would just think that I was around town, but maybe we just, you just hadn't bumped into me.
1: So, you know, I'm, I'm there at all times, spiritually, if nothing else. Absolutely. Um, I think that, well, look, my dad was a jazz pianist, um, not as his primary job, but, you know, so I grew up listening to a lot of jazz and a lot of hip-hop through him. And then I would buy these hip-hop albums and I would sit there and I'd read the liner notes and to see who sampled what. So uh, from that, I'm getting into soul music, I'm getting into rare groove, I'm getting into other parts of jazz that my dad didn't show me or whatever. Uh, And then gigging around town... You play with different people um, and and you play, you know, support gigs for this band or you play before this DJ or that. So you're getting a your constant thing. But in the lo- I mean, it's always been like that. But I feel like in the last I want to say 10 years, roughly, there's been a really big explosion of number one. And I, I mean this sincerely when I say it. World class fucking talent across the board from rappers, singers, bass players, bands in a variety of different um, genres of music so that's been really inspiring to be you know to see and to uh, be a little bit a part of, I guess I could say. Um, so that definitely influences me. Um, and then the hip-hop elements always there for me in terms of sampling, in terms of uh, track titles, things, uh, little tidbits like uh, you know little you know little winks at the camera that if, if you know you know kind of thing like there are certain hip-hop songs or little hip-hop, um, vocal samples that I, or, or I might flip a sample that's been done in a hip-hop song or it, it, i all try and tie it all in and then when, of course when I met Pete and Dunn and, and the whole house thing started happening it was just like, holy shit, what is this? That So that influenced me and that sort of got into my, into my veins. The difficult thing I find is and I, I've spoken to other people and I believe that they feel the same way most of the time is it's hard to take all your influences and make something original while also showing that you are influenced by those things. Um, It's kind of like... I don't know what's a good analogy for it off the top of my head, but I found it quite difficult uh, at the start of my more serious production stretch, let's call it, to be like, what's the prequel sound? Uh, and a- again, that evolves like you evolve with you know what you wear, what you shoot, what you wear your hair, what films you're into, whatever. But to make that your own is something that I think I still struggle with a little bit. Like a lot of people will be like, "Oh, you're just fucking you're doing Moody Man at 96. but I'm like, I am, but I'm also doing my own thing with it. And it's funny because there are a lot of hip hop producers who have a very distinct sound. like I can hear a beat and go that's a DJ premiere beat. That's an MF Doom beat. And I've always struggled with the concept of, is it a good thing that I know that that's their thing because they put their mark on it? Or are they just doing the same fucking thing and so that's why I recognize it? And I always sort of toss about that that notion in my head.
0: I feel like you get a... I think it's important (coughs) for an artist, in my humble opinion, for a musician to... Deliver on a brand promise, and I think people keep coming back to artists that they love because of the way that that those artists make them feel. Probably in a number of g- genres, but it's really mm. notable to me in music where I observe artists sometimes falter, where they don't deliver on their brand promise, which is to make you feel joy or to make you feel, <coughs> excuse me,
1: uh,
0: you know, a, a certain groove or a certain feeling. You know, and and I I don't think I'm currently going down a, a Nile Rodgers chic kind of spiral of of discovery and through it, I'm discovering not just the obvious works that we have known forever of Nile Rodgers. Like, we know he did Let's Dance by David Bowie. We know he did Material Girl and, and Like a Virgin with Madonna. But what I didn't know was that he did this track that I fucking love off a random 1989 B-52s album called Topaz, which stands out to me as just this amazing groove which no one has ever heard of. And I just discovered, and I'm like, what the hell is this song? And to discover that Niall Rogers did it, I'm like, yeah, because I'm totally vibing off a vibration that he's infusing as a producer and guitars on this rando deep dive track. And the idea that that there is a brand promise there that is a vibration that I am connecting to. And I love the idea that you know intellectually when you hear a Moody Man beat, like that's what you're identifying in terms of how it Sound mm. structurally, but
1: I would also say that that's your experience. Sorry, your experience actually happened to me recently as well. Just to go on that, I watched the Bee Gees documentary and I only kind of knew Bee Gees for Saturday Night Fever. and Watching the documentary, I was like, oh my god, they're these great songwriters and they did this, and the disco thing was only like a later portion. I've had the similar thing with a, an, a, a very famous hip hop producer called Jay Diller who passed away in 2006. And I remember listening to an album by The Far Side that he produced a couple of the tracks, but I didn't really know enough about him at the time. And then years later, I was like, oh, I really connected with those songs in a similar way that you did with Mel Rogers' stuff. And then I joined the dots like, oh, that's a fucking Dilla beat. Like, of course, like, I get it. I think the other thing that would be interesting to know, excuse me, especially to tie in with film is... Sometimes I have discussions with people and they say, or, you know, Tarantino just makes the same movie over and over again. Or Wes Anderson makes the same movie and over again. And you could probably have a pretty healthy debate on both sides of that argument. But it does take me back to what we were talking about of... I know when I see a Wes Anderson film, and I know when I see a Tarantino film... And I think that perhaps, if I could say to the untrained eye, it may look like the same film, perhaps aesthetically, maybe a little bit more with Wes and with Tarantino, but if you dive a little deeper, you see that what they're presenting is their their, their brand, their artist palette, if you will, the, the um, framework, but the real not the real work, but the deep dive gets you something new and something more every time, while also expanding on their previous work in terms of Tarantino's, you know, the Tarantino universe, there's a whole thing about how it's linked and this character is actually this character's great grandfather and this and that, so I think it's a really interesting concept, um, not only about discovering someone's doing something random and you connected with that not knowing that they were a part of it, but also that people whether they like it or not even if they don't have a brand that's still a brand kind of thing like yeah, the decision to be and, and, and no ha- brand is is still influencing yeah or like or like i look at someone like um there's a guy called madlib who's quite a who's quite a famous producer um he's worked with a lot of underground artists and a lot of mainstream artists and he's got like 300 different aliases and he does jazz and then he does a brazilian thing and then he does a psych rock thing and then he does a cocaine hip-hop album and then he does an underground album and it's all different but at the same time i can still hear that it's him doing it even so it's under his banner it's under his brand and i think especially now in 2021 with all the art that's you know come before us it's really hard to be a student of what's come before us take that in be influenced by totally different things want to show respect to that, want to show your influence of that, but then to put that all together and be like, this is the prequel sounds. You know, often when someone, often when I'll send music to someone or, or we'll exchange um, songs that we might like, someone will be like, oh, it's, it's very prequel. And I used to kind of take that as a dig, like, oh, I'm so fucking predictable. But then I'm like, oh no, they 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 know my brand. They know my vibe. They know my style. They know... What my sound is, if I can be so bold as to claim, and on that, I'm
0: I'm interested in the idea of how you evolved that sound because the sound uh, essence, the, the nucleus of it, has been there, I think, since the early singles in 2012. But the thing that I'm interested in, being an artist and a creative who is turning up to a process that takes a long time, that has a daily toil aspect to it, for which. Cultivating your point of view, whether it be musically or in the written context or as a sculptor, actually requires time and, and I don't know about you, but for the first so much of the work that I made and uh, along the way was really derivative <laughs> and celebrating homages
1: of course to, and uh, I to think, my hero. Yeah, and I think that it is. A hundred percent and I think that even the super famous, super great, you know, um filmmakers or, or, or musicians, I think that, you know, a lot of them will acknowledge in their interviews that that stuff was derivative. Like, some people will be like, oh, I was just I was just trying to make DJ premiere beats on that album, or I was just trying to, you know... You know um, Scorsese talks about, you know, I was just trying to be like a cool Fellini kind of vibe, or I was just trying to do this. And I think that as long as you acknowledge that, first of all, it shows that you care about the history of your medium, which for me is very important, and then secondly you acknowledge that and you build on that and you and you move forward on that which obviously in itself is a very um struggle well i reckon that a struggle creative struggle i'd say for
0: me i, I think if you come from a melbourne a scene like melbourne which has mm. a sp- people not just consume culture culture in a hearty way but they dissect it and they critique it and they analyze it and they love to to decipher it and discuss it as well as to consume it. And I, I you couldn't help but exist in that scene as you have as a, as a gigging DJ mm-hmm. that just plays around town as well as someone who then goes home to create a sound and to develop their own um, authorship around the work that they, the music that they make. I don't think that you could be part of that scene and not have an appreciation for and a, a, and a yearning for to to discover and to develop your own sound and your own point of view and at at what how because I believe that things take a lot longer than we give them credit for and I think that in order to actually come up with work that we we, uh, that's lasting that we will be proud of in the from a place in the future the the notion of the overnight success or the prodigy is sort of this fallacy that we've all been fed maybe thanks to social media giving us like instant Gratification with everything,
1: but how? how? Oh, but even but even talent, even talent shows that are like yeah,
0: you'll be discovered and then you'll be fully made. And the idea that you know it's a youth obsessed culture that we're part of. That the idea is if you're if you are coming up with something, it has to be in your early twenties. Otherwise, it's less less important, or you've missed you've
1: missed your window of opportunity. But yeah, I'm only doing. There's a really interesting discussion around time and when you release things, and that. I mean, a lot of the artists that I listen to, especially in terms of hip hop, you know, they're releasing classic albums when they're 18, which to me is really daunting, and I get all you know, Jewy about it. But then I remember someone like Jay Z, who released his first album at 26, or you know, yeah, other Madonna, artists. Madonna, was, 20, fruition, was, Madonna was 27. <laughs> Exactly. So I think that there's a discussion around, like, you have to be a fucking child prodigy and make a classic album at 18. Look, that's something I struggle with, to to be honest with you, in terms of, like, you know, oh, if I only did this when I was younger, I would have released this and that. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, nah, everything kind of happens for a reason in a way, and I am where I am now musically, because this is where I need to be now kind of thing. Like, you know, this album... This album was was the the back ends of a very long period of writer's block, and that had many facets. <clears throat> excuse me, that had many facets for it for me. One was the more I left it, the more I was scared of getting back to it. The second thing was because I sampled my music so much, I didn't have any new records to sample, so I couldn't possibly make any more music. That notion kind of got destroyed because. Pretty much every sample on this record Is from records that I bought When I was like 16 to 18 I think there was one new record I bought And even that was from a sample From another hip hop song that I'd known about For years so I mean not really that new So I think that Excuse me the whole notion Of like that and then The create the writer's block thing And then the time it took to make it And the time it's been done And the time it's been finished I think that you're right. There is this external influence of you have to be a fucking child prodigy pop star at the age of seven, and if you haven't released you know twenty albums by your twentieth birthday, then forget about it kind of thing. I, I, I don't like that. I do not think it's healthy for for anyone. I really, really don't.
0: There's a, such a emotional weight to the themes in your music, and they've, they've all the labeling of the titles of each track gives it such a wonderful framework to appreciate the emotion in the songs and they are all so cinematic and we'll talk about the the way in which cinema has, has spoken to you and has influenced not only the work itself but the way you've presented the work in terms of the music videos and but I feel you have one has to actually have lived some life in order for them to have anything worth imbuing the work with that makes it an emotionally rich experience worth consuming yes. and i think when you're 18 to 21 or even 25 or you know late 20s you haven't lived like i've you had you've, had you've had such a narrow perspective on the world so the idea that you're making this tome that's going to you know speak to people beyond those who beyond any perspective except your own limited one is is to me mm. um, a fallacy but i love why, what was it about making an album about heartbreak now that has been a different experience to trying to make music that was emotionally imbued 10 years ago?
1: Well, I think my my music has always been emotional in, in, a, in a way that it has to incite an emotion in me and it has to incite that same emotion constantly. If I listen to something I did in 2014, it, it will resonate with me the same and... I make sure that my music does that for me first and foremost uh, the second thing was you know i i had been in a number of different relationships in the past and uh, not that this album is solely a verbatim of a, a one relationship it's based mainly on one but it's also borrows and amalgamates a few different things and it's got a little bit of you know artistic uh, license in there as well but i think that. You know, I, I couldn't have... Uh, first of all, I had to go through that experience and it wasn't... It uh, wasn't intentional to write an album about it. Uh, and I've written other pieces of music that borrow from, from these parts of my life. Um, so I think that I had to go through it. And I think that I also had to become uh, in an artistically and a, um, emotionally mature enough place to dissect these ideas... To recognize that they're there in the first place, to hold a mirror up to my own experience, which also, funnily enough, it, it is, a, is a part of the artwork in terms of reflection and mirrors and the way you view things, uh, both during and post um, this you know, relationship, for, for, for what we call it. Um, I think my work with um, uh, my psychologist, uh, who I've been seeing for quite a few years now, I think that if I didn't go through that, I perhaps wouldn't have tackled it with the, if I may be so bold to say so, a certain amount of emotional maturity, um, and I think that the other thing is that there was a bit of time that had passed between the end of this particular relationship and the making of this album, and like you said, a time to digest, a time to, a time to think, a time to you know reflect, a time to ruminate. Um, And I think that because of all those things, with the time period, I think that that's why this album is what it is and sounds like what it sounds like, because of the influence of all those factors.
0: You've you've made me think about that too. It's not enough just to go through the life experience. One has to compartmentalize or contemplate the life experience
1: and to work out... Or do what I do and wildly overthink it as a Jew as well. Don't forget that part. Spilkus. <laughs> the key to my success
0: is <laughs> um, I You gotta have the guts,
1: yeah. to go back and look at yourself in the mirror as well.
0: And well, exactly right. And I and I think you can't when you're well at, when you're smack bang in the middle of a life experience. It's really hard to be able to decipher it enough to put it into work. Or too painful, Absolutely. or or too, you're too close to the subject matter, or you're not ready to. Or you're not ready to yeah. exactly. And sometimes, isn't it nice to have that humility or the ability to put it into perspective, or even God forbid, laugh at yourself enough to be able to put a frame around it in a way that is palatable or understanding or you know compassionate. Well, it's
1: it's very similar to grief in that way as well. That so, the sort of um, you know the so-called seven stages of grief, um, and I always say that there are seven stages of grief, but in, in my personal experience and with others, people go through them in different orders, not necessarily A to B. I oh, say sorry, A to Z. Um, and I think that they also go through them for different periods of time, and I think that they may go back to it. So, you know, after this relationship, there were times of anger and disbelief and then pain and then heartbreak and then this and then that, da, 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 da. And for the record, I'm fully aware that The theme of love has been discussed and dissected a million times in movies and music. I'm fully aware of that and I I was conscious of that making and I was like, well what makes your fucking love and heartbreak so special and my answer to that was that it's mine and this is my view on it. I'm not saying this is the definitive definition of heartbreak as a house record. (laughs) I'm just saying this is my interpretation and I think that Hopefully, the universality of of love and of heartbreak is, is is as well as the music itself is what people will connect with. I mean, people will hopefully. I would like them to connect with the fact of not the journey of it all. Uh, and again, going back to the artwork, which has um, a, an ambiguous figure looking outwards, but through a um, a sort of a, a see-through plate, really speaks to the notion of when you, as an audience member with with the artwork, am I the person in the figure or am I me looking in? And if I'm looking in, am I looking at that person through that glass? And is that person's view of me different because that person's looking through the glass? And also on the artwork, both their eyes aren't through the glass, it's just one eye. So it talks to perhaps this half sees it as this way and that half sees it as that way. But then it's also talking about a timeline are you looking at this before the relationship starts? Are you looking at while the relationship is happening? Are you looking at afterwards? And that sort of ambiguity of time is something that I was really conscious of, perhaps not while I was making the music, but when it was finished and structurally and what I wanted to say, and I wanted to make sure all those things connected the dots in terms of the, the timeline of it all. I, I, you know, Even in the press release and the wordings of some of the stuff, And some of the stuff I've written about it and and passed on to the label people to draw from is that concept of, you know, when you're in it, like you said before, you may not see the forest from the tree, so to speak. And then when you're out of it, you may look at the situation and, and interpret it differently or realize that the other person interpreted what you were doing differently. So there's that whole notion of, you know which which side of the street are you looking at it from and, and and in what timeline are you looking at it from?
0: Where did the artwork come from?
1: The artwork is from a friend of mine's uh my friend Pascal Babare who's been a friend of mine uh from primary school who's an amazing artist he does a lot of additional mixing for me um his wife whose name is Seth Searle uh apart from the fact that she's absolutely lovely and I love it a bit she is an amazing artist and I'd wanted to work with her for quite some time. We were meant to do something together in 2000, and I wanna say 17 or 16, and it kinda almost went through and then it didn't go through for whatever reasons. And I knew for my album, I wanted to have her involved. So I contacted her, I sent her the album. I sent her some notes some themes. She came up with a couple of different design options. We went with one and she came out with that. And it's just, First of all, in my opinion, it's just a beautiful piece of art alone. I've got the original picture actually just here, which I'm about to get framed hopefully soon. Um, so just as just as artwork itself, to me, it's absolutely beautiful. And second of all, I mean, if you really delve into it, like I was talking about before with the figure and the seeing things differently and even the colours, the shades, and then even going back to my hip-hop influence, there is a orange uh, square in the top right corner, which is... A nod to a famous hip hop album called Mad Villainy, which is by MF Doom and Madlib, and they had an orange square on the top there. So I wanted to tip my hat to that as well. The another horrible irony being the MC of that album, MF Doom, who's my favorite MC, unfortunately passed away uh, last year, and I only and the public were only notified about it um, uh, in December thirty first, January first. So. Having that square there means a lot to me um, because I love that album and I love that MC. And now it's kind of taken on also another layer of, um, of meaning since that artist passed. If I can go back another step, that Mad Villainy album, uh, which has got him in his traditional mask that he wears, is actually a homage to the Madonna album. I can't remember the name, but the black and white one where it's just her face it's a, in the is middle. It
0: self-titled?
1: I think it might be yeah, self-titled. It's just, Don, it's just, it's just Madonna. I think it by, is. by Madonna. So there's the whole link between you, me, music, hip hop, Madonna, artwork. It's all, it's all very, and that that whole that whole notion of everything being linked together is also drawn from
0: film for me. The the way in which I mean, there is a kind of a nice parallel with. Madonna as being marketed as a black artist when she first came out they didn't put her picture on, on the release for her first single because right, they wanted, right, people, they wanted her to be potentially perceived as a, as a black artist and
1: her Right uh, which was the same with I don't know if you know Bobby Caldwell Oh no I don't Bobby Caldwell, he's got a couple of big hits, but the same thing happened to him. He was a white guy, and they didn't put they didn't put his face. Right. The, one of his first singles was a silhouette of him, so like you didn't know. Him. And then everyone's like, "Hey, Bobby Caldwell's white," and they're like, "What the fuck?" Well, well, yeah, here, well I suppose
0: here is this artist that's being potentially marketed as a African American artist, who's then uh, making music that is dance music that is has a really strong kind of aerobic workout kind of flavor and you have these two melding of, mm. of, a, of a sort of R&B vocal with a dance, uh, a dance beat and a, and a dance Elements. bass. Um, yeah. There's an interesting parallel to your, your history and love of an anchor in a, in a, a hip hop space, then making music that is, that is in a sense dance music. Like it would be music to dance to first and foremost. When I go and see a DJ prequel set, I'm expecting to dance. There is something that is you, that is so uh, beautifully. I, I think that's such a beautiful amalgamation of those sort of influences. And I, I, wonder, like, did was your challenge when you were looking to to come up with your own sound? Did you actively have components of like, well, it has to make people feel it has to make people dance has to make people think it has to were you driving towards finding a solution or were you just intuiting sounds that you liked the way they made you feel
1: i think it's very good question i think it's probably a combination of all of them i think when i'm making music now the the number one thing again i'm not like wildly technically proficient so it's not a super polished sound which is i don't want to do that anyway You know, there are house producers whose shit is fucking super smooth edges and all that. And there's something to be said about that style of production as well. I'm not knocking it at all. But I think when I make music, the number one thing, and it it, it starts from when I hear a sample, is it has to have a feeling. I have to be like, this makes me feel X. If it doesn't have that, it, it, it's something I call the infinity loop. So I deal mainly with loops. Also, I, I cut up elements and I do that. But predominantly, I'm dealing with loops. And to recontextualize a whole piece of music with a, let's say, four-second loop is a whole nother discussion in itself. But the thing is, is that I look for an infinity loop. And what I mean by that is... That loop can be on for infinity, and I'm still going to get the same feeling. Now, I try my very, very hardest to make sure all my music has that. Because I'm not a technically proficient musician, you know, I play a little bit of a bass line or a little bit of a synth thing here or there, but I can't sit down at a piano and write a song and do chords. So my medium is... And you can debate this as well. uh, Samples, other people's other people's work. So, first and foremost, it's got to have that feeling. Secondly, in terms of something to dance to, I I I make music within the realms of the dance music bracket. Um, But I think that that's somewhat limited as well because I've seen people dance to fucking free jazz. I've seen people dance to slow ballads. this whole notion of can I dance to it, It's it's to me, it's very limiting. You can dance to anything, really. It, it, are you a good dancer? Because if you're not, then you can fucking, you can't dance, forget about what I make. So yes, I do think about music within the context of this is for a dance floor, but I'm not letting that dictate to me 100%, oh it has to have this and it has to have that. It's like, it's 120 BPM, it's got a kick drum that goes like that, if you can't dance to that, you know, get out of my luck, good, good luck to you. Like, what do you want me to do? And it, it reminds me of another thing I think about as well is, and I don't want to say this from like a super angry place or anything. But, you know, I, I, I buy the records, I sample it, I make the music, I mix it myself, then I try and get it signed to a label. Then if it gets signed to a label, I go through the whole thing with that. Then they get it mastered. Then we get the artwork. Then it gets released. And then it gets distributed and premiered and on the radio and this. And I've got a whole backstory about what the song means and all that. I've done all this work. I'm going to show you how to dance to it as well. Like, when does my when does my responsibility stop? Like, when do I have to go, okay, now you fucking do what you want with it? You know, I
0: feel like there's an element of, you know, you're, you're giving... You, you have created something that I think people could just... You could just sit back and listen to it if you chose to, but you wouldn't be able to Absolutely, help but yeah. dance, dance to it. I think that's the the thing that it sort of... Fingers crossed. It incites cross. you to want to move, even though it doesn't necessarily... Uh, it's not the only way to consume it, which I think is, is a real win. Uh, in terms of...
1: I, I, I think that's a good point. I think that it, it, it is as much a headphone album as it is a dance floor album. And again, in the right context, like... If you buy this album as a DJ, you know, you should be doing your job, which is this song is great, but let's put it in the right context. I'm not going to play this music perhaps at fucking five in the morning at Revolver because I'm not sure it would fit that. But if I'm playing an outdoor festival in the middle of the day with a bunch of like-minded and like you know, genreed people, I, I can play this kind of stuff. So I think it also depends of if you're, if you're a, a peddler of my music, a you know, a DJ or whatever, choose when to play it kind of thing as well. If you're on the radio, you can fucking play whatever song you want, whatever you like. But I really do like the notion of being at a festival and playing this song or speaking to my friend who walked the tan and listened to the album at the same time and, 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 and appreciate it like that. I, I would hope my intention is that my art is to be able to be digested multifaceted ways um, in the same way that, you know, it, it is with hip hop. You know, there are hip hop songs that are like, let's fucking cry at how fucking beautiful this is and what an, and a brilliant expression of the English language and da-da-da. And there are hip hop songs like, Let's put this on, go to the club and fucking get a bottle of something and shake our asses and have the best time. And I think that both of them is fine. And I think that it's also about context. You know, I'm not going to play some reminiscent De La Soul song in the middle of a club. I might track on some Travis Scott, though, so that everyone wants to shake their ass. So I think that you've got to also pick, pick where you need to put it as well.
0: When you have been making an album while living a life and having you know doing work to earn money and how, how have you designed your lifestyle to be able to make an album and what has that process look like in terms of the structure and discipline around your creative process to be the most effective
1: well like i said before the this album was created out of a very long period of uh creative you know writer's block so that sort of blockade a as a, a would friend say. would call so it so you, you, you <laughs>
0: how long did your period of writer's block lasted uh it
1: was a, it was a couple of years i was still making bits and pieces uh maybe not as much as i wanted to which is a whole nother discussion as well but again I, I was afraid of making music and i'd come up with excuses and this and that and 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 i think that You know, I look back on that period now as not only a good lesson for myself in that I don't need to buy $3,000 million worth of new records, just to sample. I can go through what I've got at home or find different sources. But also, um, funnily enough, something that MF Doom said, you know, rest in peace in an interview is, and it really resonated with me, very simple concept. Sometimes it's time to breathe in, sometimes it's time to breathe out. And I think that I was trying to breathe out when I was actually should have been breathing in and digesting everything, so I kind of look at that writer's block as a lesson in um, how I need to treat my creativity, but also a lesson of you don't you don't have to be creating all the time. me personally. there are some artists that do me personally it doesn't work like that. I've tried to implement schedules and this and that. The other thing that it taught me was. Not every idea is going to make it out. And that's still something I really grapple with a lot. But to your point, in terms of balancing a lifestyle and making music, you know, I didn't set out to make an album. I just started creating music again. And funnily enough, the common thread was love. And I wasn't being like, all right, I'm going to make an album about love and everything has to have a love sample and it has to be love. I just kept sampling shit and I was just sampling shit that I liked. And I just go... You know, after the first few tracks, I was like, "I think I see a little theme here, Jamie. Like, I think, uh, I think this is on a sort of a love tip. So it kind of birthed from that as well. But I think people have to be, and I'm speaking to myself when I say this as well. Be a little bit kinder with your creative process. Don't be so hard on yourself. And if you make something that it's not going to make it to the next EP or release or single or whatever. It's just, it's, it's, it's an exercise. It's, it's, you have to do level one to get to level two. You can't just start on level two. It's, it's, even video games work like that. You know, I spoke to a friend of mine on the weekend, Phil, um, who's a producer as well. And he told me that in lockdown, he made something between like three to 400 beats, And I was like, that's fucking insane, man. What are you going to do with all that music? And he's like, man, most of it was just a learning exercise. Most of it was just to keep the muscles going. Most of it was just to be in the mental gym or the the musical gym. You know, as you know, someone that that goes to the gym, like, you can't just go once and then... You're good. you gotta, You got to keep going. you got to keep working the, the muscles, otherwise you're not going to get anywhere.
0: I, I was thinking... Of, you're right. I was thinking about how often we think that the only true worth of a piece of work is if it gets shipped or posted or released. And yeah, there is no... Uh, you know, any, any body of work by any artist that we love is really the utmost point of the tip of the iceberg. You know, I, I I can't help but think that that in order to get that key set of Picasso images, Martin Scorsese films, you know, whatever it happens to be, there are there is countless sketches, unrealized dreams. Bro- oh my God! Bro- broken dreams, things that you things that you, and and not to say that you, I would imagine that every single time they thought that the idea that they were developing was the one, and I think it you sometimes turn up always believing that it's going to be the one and because 98 percent of the ones aren't actually the one you doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you believe in it any less while you're pursuing it but it also is sure absolutely integral to the process to 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 follow it through and to see how far it can go and then to potentially allow that to wither die and become the compost that fuels which which funnily
1: enough is is which funnily enough dan is also a very good analogy for being in a in a sexual relationship you know or being in any relationship like you know we've you know you and i've both had you know different partners over the years and whatever um yeah and those learning perhaps at the time we we thought that that person was the one And it turned out that they weren't, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have gone through it to begin with. I mean, obviously hindsight's a motherfucker and, you know, you tell me at the time, I'll probably you, a fuck yourself. But on the back of that and, the, you know, the end of that, it's like, oh, I had to go through that relationship with that person at that time in my life to realize this thing so I can know that, learn from it. And then on my next relationship... You know, do better, or recognize this earlier, or don't do as much of this, or do less of that, or whatever. So, yeah. I, I'm saying I'm saying this, but you know, still, when I make a shit beat, I'm in a fucking foul mood. So I'm not I'm not perfect. Yeah, but no. when I make a good when I make a good beat, I'm on top of the mood. Totally, I and mean, that's a
0: lovely thing to remember as well. I think that we are hard on ourselves because a, a day not spent finishing the project to a degree that we believe. We should is sometimes considered a failure. A wasted
1: day. Yeah, it's
0: actually sometimes you. So many times I down my pen at the end of the day, not because I've acknowledged that it was a good innings, but because I'm I'm done. I'm burnt out. I can't possibly look at the thing anymore. My brain is fried. And as a result of the way in which I'm choosing to end my day, I'm often so unkind with the the way in which I regard. The fact that I turned up to even do the thing in the first place, the fact that there was some experiment, exactly the some same. experimentation was done, exactly the some, same. you know, yeah. and I think, I don't know, I think I need to change, we need to change the, 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 the language and the framework through which we regard a, um, the, the, the attitude and attempt and energy that we've invested in being experimental or doing work that absolutely that agrees, n- not the one. Because he kind of, you should just go. Ultimately, I'm one step closer to the one
1: now. I think it's also dangerous because there are people that um, perhaps I look up to that have a very rigorous work schedule. Like if you look at someone like Madlib, who all he does is make music and just makes music every, you know, the guy sleeps like three hours a day. When you're when you look up to someone that much, I'm not saying the way that he makes art is wrong or right, but I think that people, especially young creatives, need to go okay that's a system and it may work for that person but it may not necessarily work for me some I know I know like my friend Phil like that motherfucker made beats the whole lockdown like he was doing 8-10 hours a day I can't do 8-10 hours a day of music I'll lose my mind but when I get something and I feel that spark I will sit until it's you know most of most of my songs most of the songs on this album, about 75 to 85% of them were done in about, I'd say, 20 minutes to half an hour. Because when I get it, I'm like, and then I do, you know, the tweaking and the thing and the changing and the rearranging. And then I mix in, I do the effects, blah, blah, blah. But the bulk of the idea is there in 20 minutes. And that's not to say that I shouldn't spend more time on my craft, as we all should. But know, know your limitations. Know what system works best for you. You know, some, some, some people take 20 years to write a book. Mm. That's okay. Some people take six months to write a book. Um, which, which brings me to another point which you and I touched on on our phone conversation um, not so long ago. The idea of how long art takes to make. And I'm gonna be doing, hopefully, a little bit of press for this, for this album. And that's one thing that I really wanna drive home is that I am not going to say how long this album took to make in terms of its actual construction. Because I think that there's a real, there's a real stigma around the time that art gets made and what that means. In film, in music, in sculpture, in anything. And if I told you this album took me a day, You'd be like, oh my God, it took him a day. I can't wait to hear it. It's going to be amazing. It took him a day. If I told you it took me 10 years, you'd be like, oh my God, it took him 10 years. It's probably going to be amazing. Or maybe it's really shit. Or if you heard it and you didn't like it, you'd be like, this took you 10 years? Like, fuck that. Like, I'm not subscribing to telling people how long my art takes anymore. I mean, fragmented bits, sure. But as a whole process, no. Because first of all, this is my first album that I've released. So it's technically everything before this moment in time. And second of all, it's just like, it's a little bit sensationalist and it's a little bit like, look how quick I can do things or look how long it takes me to do things. And like, I appreciate both aspects of that in terms of music and film, but it's also like, do you like the art or do you not like the art? Don't worry if it took me 20 minutes to make that beat. Jay Diller, one of that hip-hop producers I was telling you about, he used to make sensational fucking beats in four minutes. And they're amazing. There are artists that spend two, three years on an album. And they're amazing. So I think there needs to be a real discussion and a real understanding of don't worry about how long art takes to make too much. Appreciate it. Acknowledge it. But don't pin that on the thing off the bat because it just, it creates this whole predisposition and I'm really not into it. I, I, I really I, don't like I
0: think it. it speaks to, I mean, that's that's fair. And I, I love, look, Enigma is wonderful. I'm, I'm always, it always gets me when you see a um, painting in a museum that's untitled because I'm just thinking, this, this artist doesn't even want to give me words to, <laughs> to potentially help decipher the work they are so intent on me just experiencing I like that the work it's very it's very lynchian yeah. it's very lynchian I, you you figure it out me personally would have the title would i would provide the paragraph i will give you the context in which i created it so you can understand the process because i love process and i live to dissect and discover process through everything i do i I'd, so I, I make that um, a huge part of my discussion is in describing context and process that allows for creativity to to blossom and to exist. But I can.
1: Yes, but hold, but hold it. But you, but you do it after the fact. Though we're not having this discussion, and then I'm sending you the album. That's that's an important thing to mm. note as well. I'm all for dissecting it and everything. But if we had a two-hour talk about my album and the thing and the that, and then you listen to it. It's like, I don't read film reviews before I see a film anymore. Uh I'm done with that. Mm. I watch the film, I make my own decisions, I make my own whatever, and I think about it, and that's what I think about the film. And yeah, it may shift a little bit, or I may learn something new about the film... But I'm not going to be swayed by A.O. Scott and then watch the film and be like, oh, A.O. Scott was right, blah, 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 blah. That, that's just me personally. Though.
0: I, uh, when you are speaking of... I, I go chance to, as well as listen to the album, to see the, the, the video work that's going to accompany the album. And for an artist that is inspired by cinema, uh, you have done an amazing job of imbuing some of the sounds with Thank you. visuals that give... Context and 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 increase the or enhance the experience. Did you did you where, where did the where did that video work come from? And both uh, did you did you outsource it? Did you did you work out what it was going to be and then work with a editor to pull those stories together?
1: So what happened was I wanted to create little Instagram content things as just like little teasers before the song dropped, um, and I was. I was I was listening to the music and it kind of started popping to, into my head certain scenes and certain films and I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if I took that scene and I put that song over it. That matches that well and that's just a little Instagram teaser before the single comes out or before this song comes out. And then uh, after Golden Plains, I was meant to start... I was literally, the, the the day after Golden Plains, I was starting to send emails about a video clip that I wanted to shoot and contacting dancers and my mate that was going to film it and this and that. Then, of course, the, the, the C-word happened, as I call it, the C-word. Um, so that obviously all went in the bin because we couldn't shoot and do anything. And uh, I had a Zoom meeting with some people from the label and I said, look, I can't shoot this clip now because I obviously just can't. And they said, oh, you know what might be interesting is if, if you did a clip akin to those promo clips you've made and i kind of just had this ping, aha moment and i was like that's a fucking great idea so i got off that zoom call went to the first single which is love is which is an, a song that's pretty much the only song in the album with original lyrics uh there's lyrics throughout the song but they're from sampled from other places this is original lyrics by um my friend dom Kazo oslo who i've worked with before who's just fucking an amazing guy, amazing artist, amazing writer, amazing recorder, poet, everything. So I printed his lyrics out on a piece of paper and I got a pen and I literally started drawing lines from each sentence, line of the song, and being like, what does that remind me of in what film? And I did that all the way down. Then I got all the clips together and started the, the process, which... Funnily enough, pretty much mirrors the way that I make my music in terms of finding the original source and taking all the little different pieces. So, excuse me, I put that together in about three days of like pretty intense editing, lockdown editing. You know, I'd like do it mainly at night. I'd sit there when I was living with my housemates at the time and just have some dinner, have a gin and tonic and just, you know, post-it notes everywhere and films and this and that. And I sent it to Bradley Zero, who uh, runs a label on one, one of the labels on one rhythm section. And he was like, holy shit, Like I thought, I thought this was going to take you a long time. And I was like, nah, I kind of busted it out in one go. I know I'm being a hypocrite by saying how long it took me to make. I'm not lost on the fact, but I made it pretty quick, so I'm pretty happy with that. So he sent back some changes and some edits, um, and I sort of tidied it up and, and got it to where it was. That was for the first clip and then the other two clips similar but different process I,
0: I think because the story had been told through the music the idea of then finding a visual representation through collecting shots from cinema that then celebrated that story, or told that story um, you, you had done the heavy lifting you'd already told the story so, so this was almost just another cinematic layer to a pre-existing narrative that already absolutely.
1: How, however while you're right however I didn't want to just chuck my 20 favorite rom-com things and and slap it against the song I really made sure to um, much like the album in itself in that you can appreciate the song for the song if you understand where the sample comes from and you go to the original source of that sample that actually adds another layer to the meaning of the song in a very similar way that Excuse me, in a very similar way that the album Donuts by Jay Diller does. You can appreciate the piece of music, but if you know the sample, it goes a little deeper. Um, And the other thing I wanted to do is I really wanted to make sure that each of the lines spoken in that that first single, Love Is, with Caso Oslo, definitely matched the visuals. I didn't just slap Aladdin in the middle of it and call it a day, like... You know, even, even when it says you know, um, something about, I can't remember the lyric now, but it's something about love is eternal. Like I put something from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I didn't just put any old clip from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I put the clip at the end of the film. Like they, they are very considered choices. I didn't just slap them all together. Like you know, And I chopped and changed stuff and I went with this and then I took that out. And then another thing that was brought up with Bradley, which was interesting, and I honestly didn't see it, is the first draft I sent to him, he's like, yeah, it's great, I love it, X, Y, Z. He goes, but there's a lot of, like, it's kind of generally, like, the same in terms of, like, white relationships and white hetero relationships. And I wasn't crafting this video clip thinking to include or not include or... I I was just like, oh, I love this film. I'm going to chuck that shit and chuck that shit in. And he made a very good point. And so I went back and revised it, not, again, not for the want of just throwing it in just to be like, look, I've got a black guy in my clip or look, I've got a lesbian slim in my clip. But I was like, it forced me to dig a little deeper into the films that I knew and the films that I loved and and, and things that not only did I love and know, but things that were applicable for the storyline. And I'm really glad that I did because I think that It created a richer experience, it created a fuller experience, and especially taking the cues from the artwork of this album, what I told Seth Searle, the artist, I said about the figure on the artwork, I said, I want it to be ambiguous. I don't want you to go, that's 100% a woman, or that's 100% a man, or that's 100% this binary, or that binary, or this spectrum, or that spectrum. I want it to be that Anyone can look at that cover and go, that represents the X love factor in my life. There was a lot of stuff that I didn't put in there because, A, I hadn't seen it yet, or B, it was going to be a little bit uh, problematic, let's say. Certain film directors with certain... uh, (laughs) Dashed reputations. Films... films (laughs) Films that I admire, but perhaps don't have very good reputations. But then again, there were films that I saw after I made the clip, and I was like, "Fuck! I wished I put that in." Like I watched uh, "In the Mood for Love" by oh, Wu Wei Kui, Wong Kar- and I was like, Wai. "Oh my god, this is." sorry. There's
0: a retrospective happening at the moment of Wong Kar Wai films, and I um, and yeah, and I'm so looking forward to showing Jace, my boyfriend, "In the Mood for Love" and "Chungking Express." And happy together, and all these. films. Oh, see, I've like, well, got to watch that still. Know. And what's he did? Another one called like two twenty forty six yeah, or something that, like that. that maybe was, that was. I think that was the final film in a oh, in a in a I love trilogy that he made. Just to wrap up, because I know we've we've been speaking for a little while. But when you were designing the album, did you design it with um, an experience? Uh, d- d- did you design an experience in terms of well, this will be a grower this will land this will get played in clubs quite easily this will resonate in if there's going to be a single this would be the single you know did you sort of design an, an an album as an experience that would have uh would resonate at different times in different ways or are they just 12 songs that you love that, that have been ordered in a certain way um i i
1: think that i didn't I don't go into it so much with, like, this is the single and this is the dance floor joint and stuff. The the first and most important rule to me is, do I like it? Then we can go from there. Then once I got a few tracks and it sort of began to reveal the narrative to me about love, I was like, okay. Then once I'd done all the tracks, I was like, okay... Not only do they have to musically make sense as a progression from song with the first to song the last, but they also have to make a narrative progression that makes sense. So it's a, it's to me, album sequencing is very, very important, both as a creator and as a listener. Whole albums can be fucked up if, if the sequence is wrong. So I really, really thought about that. I also thought about the symmetry of the album. I also thought about if it's on vinyl, it's going to be on two pieces of vinyl, which is why every side has either an intro and two songs or two songs and an outro or you know three or three sorry three songs and, and an outro or the interludes like they're all that part I was like this is very specific in how I need to need to present it and I'm OCD so it needs to be like symmetry and nice and but again I, I look at it like a filmmaker in the sense of story first Story first, no, whether I like it first, then the story, and then maybe this can be the radio single, maybe that can be the dance floor banger, whatever, but it has to serve the story. There was a track on it that that I ended up taking out and releasing it on something else, because while it was good and about love, and this and that and the other, I couldn't slot it in at the right spot, and also when I took it out, I had even sides on all the sides of the record, so I was like very... Harmonious with that sort of <laughs> that sort of layout, and really suited my OCD vibes.
0: I, I love that. I I'm so well. It's a master. It's a it's a it's a real masterwork, and I love that it's been um. Thank you. It's Jan. been brewing and gestating for you know. I don't know how long you've taken to make it, but I certainly feel like the I've, I've observed with each single that's come out since 2012, and every time I've seen you play, and every time there's been a shift of Of thinking i knew what i was going to get and then it being a step in a new direction this just feels like a beautiful celebration of this last chapter and what is what better way to to contain an album offering than as the summary of a of a of a chapter and so it it, it just feels like a, a, a the perfect summary of of this the journey up until this point
1: Thank you, Dan. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, Thank
0: you. Well, I will, uh, alongside this video or audio, how people consume it. They will get um, links to videos as they as they are released and, and and albums. But in terms of those who are in Melbourne who are hearing you, who um, so hear and listen to this, um, are you pref- playing anywhere that people can experience you
1: live currently? Um, I am tossing up the idea of whether to have some kind of album launch party at a record store or a small venue. I am not a good promoter and I get a little bit nervous and I get a little bit inside my own head of who's gonna come, do people care, the thing, is going. Is that a good date, is this a good date, and what about that, and da da da. And, it's all about me, and it's not all about me, and it's a thing. So I, I get all inside my head about that stuff. So I haven't made a firm decision yet. But um, look, if, if people want to listen to the album, that would be lovely of them. If they want to give it a go, uh, watch the video clips. Um, buy the album if you like it. I've got some merch out that people can cop. Uh, it's all on my Instagram, blah, 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 all that bullshit. But come uh, that- to seeing me live. Yeah, in terms of seeing me live, uh, you know, I play a Revolver every month. I do a couple of little gigs here and there. And uh, maybe if maybe if someone slaps me upside the head, I'll do an album launch and we'll we'll call it a day. Thank you so much for
0: chatting. I just love the work and I'm Damn, so thank excited. Thank you.
1: It's a pleasure. I'm, I was really, really looking forward to doing this and it was fantastic. And, I, you know, I love you to bits. Uh, I love you even more.
0: Mm, thank you, Jamie. Well, yeah, much love. Speak to you soon. Love to you. Ciao.